0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to Soundcheck.
1: The stories behind the chorus.
0: This week on Soundcheck, we have Samantha Crane, originally from Shawnee. She's lived everywhere. Samantha's toured with dozens of bands, including the Avit Brothers, Neutral Milk Hotel, Josh Ritter, and Murder by Death. That's just to name a few. She's also had songs featured in documentaries. TV shows like 90210 and HBO series Hung as well. And she recently won Best Rock Album at the Indigenous music awards. That was this year. So we're so honored to have Samantha on the podcast this week. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. And thanks for helping me out with my microphone issue. <laughs> so before we started, um, I didn't know how to raise the the mic stand. And luckily, Samantha Crane uh, was able to tell me like, here, all you have to do is twist <laughs> it and pull up. I'm like, <laughs> I have a few skills that I've learned in the business. And that's one of
2: them, I guess. <laughs>
0: Apparently. I used to do radio, but <laughs> I did a whole podcast before and we were like hunched over. So this was much better for my back. Good. Um So, talk a little bit about you're kind of on in this in between phase. Um, so you had an album that came out, which is wonderful. That was last year, right? 2017. 2017. Yeah. Gosh, it is almost the end of 2019. And yeah. then you have an album coming out next year. So, what have you been up to in the in between phase? Um,
2: well, I. Actually, well, I did a lot of touring, but before that, I was kind of just taking a break because I actually had some hand injuries and I couldn't play for like a year. So um, I had a year where I was just riding at home. Um, and then I went back on tour after that for about a year just because I didn't get to do a lot of touring for the record because of my injuries. Um, and then. And then I started writing this new record and recorded it. So just waiting for the the release of it. Exactly. Yeah. It just takes time to make things, you know, so. Yeah, for sure. And your hand is all right now. Yeah, they're They're. I mean, it takes a lot of like upkeep. But yeah, it was kind of a weird year there where I couldn't really use my hands at all, which was stressful and weird.
0: Yeah, and kind of necessary for what I do. Yeah, (laughs) right. Exactly. Um, And I was seeing that you have produced even your own music, um, but also the music of some other musicians, uh, Kirsten White, as well as Annie Oakley. So talk a little bit about um, being a musician, but then also producing What do you do when you you go and just kind of explain what what you do when you produce somebody's album? Yeah,
2: um, well, so for me, so much of what I do, like recording is my favorite part of what I do. Like some people really love performing. Some people really love the writing process. Some people really love recording. Um, Recording for me is kind of the part that I love the most about what I do. And whenever... Up until this record that I just finished, actually, I had never produced any of my own records. I've always had other producers work on them. Um, and that's mainly because the job of a producer is to kind of be like the, the ringleader, like keep everything together, keep things on task, on schedule, make sure that people are staying focused on like what the record is supposed to sound like and. Um, I mean, there's just like so much involved, and whenever you're, whenever you're like the artist with the like that's doing the record, or you're a performer on the record, um, your whole focus is sort of wrapped up in your performance mm-hmm. when you're re- recording. So you don't really have the brain space to think about things like on a larger scale, like the big picture of it. Um, and I like really thrive off that. It's taken me. Uh, seven records now to get to a point where I felt comfortable enough that I could stay focused on my performance as an artist and then also keep like a bigger picture and produce the record as well. But as I've produced like with other um, artists and bands, um, it's just like really fun to be able to kind of turn the thing that they imagine in their head into the final product um, and I just like find I find that to be really fun and like a really interesting process because working with different people it always kind of takes a different shape um, like with Kirsten's record um, it was her first well I guess the Annie Oakley record that I produced was their first record as well but um, oh, that's not true actually I think they did like an EP before that but Both of them were so different because Annie Oakley, like those girls, they had pretty specific like influences in mind that they were sort of using as inspiration. They had songs that were more or less like fully uh, arranged already. So basically my job was just to. Kind of keep things on schedule and then make sure we were getting good sounds and capturing the songs. Um, whereas with Kirsten's record, it was her first record and like her first batch of songs to write. And so my job as a producer for that project was more of like an arranger and um, sort of getting the the rest of the song built around like the bones of the song. So it's kind of really fun. You, you just get to morph into whatever the project is. Yeah.
0: So when you say like scheduling, I, I think of, uh, do you have in mind an album release date before you go into the studio? Or is it more of like, you've got to finish a studio album and, in, in a, under budget. Um, what are you looking at whenever you're looking at scheduling?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, it. it can be really mundane. Like it's just the, depending on the project, it's about keep, like if someone has a certain budget, you know, then that means you're, Sort of relinquish to like a certain amount of days that you have to like get things done in um, scheduling in terms of just like getting a drummer in on the day that you need a drummer like that sort of thing. So I mean that's not necessarily the fun part, but right. just like the directing of it in general, I think yeah. is fun. So so you're gonna do it more? I hope so. Yeah. I mean I especially with like the older that I get and I don't necessarily want to be on the road as much as I have been in my past, Mm -hmm. um, which is like all the time. (laughs) Um, I just, I still love like traveling and touring, but it just is not as, um, feasible for me, like the older that I get just in terms of like self-preservation <laughs> right so <laughs> yeah. I sleep I'm sure yeah exactly that, yeah. sleep is like important and s- staying up like that late for months on end is like does not work for me anymore <laughs>
0: <laughs> the same way I'm like I need my sleep I need to just have normalcy and schedule
2: a little yeah. bit so yeah. I would love to do more producing just because I feel like I'm, I'm like really good at projects. Like I'm a project driven person. And so I, I mean, that to me is like the natural progression of where I would like to go from here. Like in addition to working on my own records, um, doing more production type work.
0: Yeah. Cool. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Let's go back to 2017, uh, to that album that came out and this was, this was not self-produced. No,
2: no. The one that, I'm gonna be releasing next year. That'll be my first record that I've like fully self-produced.
0: Really? Yeah, I can't wait to hear it. Mm, yeah, <laughs> you've got a great voice. Okay, so you, I wanted to play Red Sky Blue Mountain. Okay, which yeah. is entirely written and sung in the Choctaw language. Yeah. Correct. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit. About, a little bit about. Um, do are you fluent in Choctaw? Is this something that you learned for the song? Just kind of talk a little.
2: I I am not fluent yet. It's been like a very slow process for me. I've, I've, I grew up like pretty ingrained like in my, with like my Choctaw heritage. And so I always knew sort of, like little bits of words, you know, because that, you know, anytime you go to like um, a cultural meeting or a powwow or something, you know, they do little bits of language and it's just sort of a way to like keep those things alive, you know, how to say Merry Christmas and how to say hello and goodbye, that sort of thing. Um, But a few years ago, I really got interested in sort of the importance of the preservation of language Um, as it, as it goes with like keeping heritage alive. And for me, um, considering that I'm Choctaw, it just meant that I kind of wanted to put in the footwork to start learning the language a little more, um, with the goal being that eventually I really wanted to start writing songs in the language because, um, a lot of how we think about stories and uh, traditions being passed down are through folk songs. So I, I will say so many indigenous tribes today are just kind of like grasping on to little bits of, of like the heritage that they can find yeah. um, due to, you know, just like years and years of genocide and um, the Depletion and covering up of of their own culture and language and identity, and so most of what I grew up hearing in the Choctaw language were like Christian hymns, traditional Christian hymns that were just sung in the Choctaw language, mm-hmm. where there was this whole um, you know era and tradition before then of songs that they were singing, but we just don't have record of them because. Of it was also events. deleted. Yeah, yes. right, it was just right. deleted from us. And so I, I kind of like had been talking with with a lot of other like contemporary sort of indigenous artists about um, what the idea of of like native art is or native music and what it means to be like a native musician or a native artist. And what we kind of I think think it agreed on is just that we focus so much on the thing making you a native musician or a native artist being if you make things that like sound or look native whereas what it should be is if you are making it it is native because you are native right and so I think putting forth that idea can bring sort of confidence to like a whole new generation of indigenous artists who maybe felt like they weren't native enough or something Mm -hmm. because they just have lost that heritage through, through the history of our country. Um, and instead empower them to get in touch with just who they are biologically and, 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 um, Historically and know that if they're making something, it is indigenous because they're indigenous. And so with language, I feel like my idea was to just make new Choctaw folk songs, I guess, like and and also encourage other young indigenous people to do the same, like with their own cultures, just to say, um, you know, we don't remember what songs they were our, our ancestors were singing, um, but we can make our own. And there's just something powerful, I think, about incorporating the language back into it um, that really makes it that much more powerful. Um, so that I eventually I would really like to just do like a full album of them, but it is really hard writing in another language it takes a lot of time for me to make sure that like the translation is right and that i'm saying things right and that sort of thing and yeah, so where
0: are you learning the language are you learning it from someone or are you learning are you finding books yeah um, i have a few different like methods that i use the
2: choctaw nation is actually re- they have a huge language program right now so it's really easy to get access to language lessons. They have, like, an online program. They have programs where you can go to classes, like, at their cultural and heritage centers. Um, I think you can even take it, like, at OU right now or something. Like, it's... they're, They're really spreading their language program pretty thick right now. So... Yeah, I I t- I take like online lessons and then I also work with some translators within the tribe just to make sure that like I'm getting everything right. Um so that's kind of that's kind of like where I'm at. And and eventually I would really like to be able to do like a whole album. Um of Choctaw songs, but for now I'm just trying to focus on getting like at least one song on each record from now on, um, until I feel like I can feel like confident enough, like to, to be able to make something like that. So
0: is this the first one you've done.
2: Well, yeah, the one in 2017 was the first song that I wrote in Choctaw. And then I have another one that will be on my next record that I've written and then hopefully, you know, continue on from there. Let's hear it.
0: It's Red Sky, Blue Mountain, and this is Soundcheck. check. You Samantha Crane with Red Sky, Blue Mountain. And what is the song about?
2: Um, I wrote that song
0: as sort of a
2: uh, song to um, sort of ancestors past and present in regards to kind of the sanctity of water. I wrote it around the time that a lot of my friends were going up to Standing Rock. Um, And so, yeah, it's basically a modern, like my modern version of sort of a water song. It's beautiful. Thanks.
0: I mean, it's such a gorgeous song. Your whole album is wonderful. I was just listening to it yesterday in my car, and it was like kind of cloudy out, and so it's kind of a a perfect atmosphere for it, I think. Um, So you've been in the music scene in Oklahoma for, since you were a teenager. And you're still very young, but i just gonna <laughs> I'm ask that. Yeah. <laughs> how have you seen the Oklahoma music scene evolve since you got started?
2: Hmm, that's really interesting. I, cause I did start playing um, around when I was like 17, 18. I started like at open mics around Oklahoma City area. Um, but then there was like this big chunk of time that, I was just on tour so much that I, uh, wasn't super like implanted into the local scene, but I mean, there, there is definitely like, it's an, an interesting like difference. I think I was talking to my friend Allie Harder the other day about how, uh, when we were playing like when we were teenagers so if I was 17 or 18 playing and she would have been like 19 or 20 um, if there was like a show happening at what was the conservatory back then Uh-huh on western yeah, yeah. Um, and they needed like an opener like a local opener it was kind of just like me or Allie were the only Sort of singer-songwriters At mm-hmm. the time mm-hmm. There, It wasn't like a huge Singer-songwriter Singer-songwriter scene There was um, a lot of bands Doing like Sort of proggy stuff Like Mayola and The Non um, A lot of bands yeah. And so We Think it's like really funny That now you kind of like It's not funny It's like cool But We um, we always really struggled to find sort of like-minded musicians that we could like make bills with. Um, and so we were always hopping on really bizarre bills with like rock bands because (laughs) that's like what was available at the time. Um, and now like the singer songwriter sort of scene around here is just like exploded. And there's just like a ton of singer songwriter sort of things um, that have come out of Oklahoma. So, I think, yeah, it kind of became like a songwriter scene around Oklahoma City. I feel I wonder
0: like. Why? Is it because of AC at UCO? Is it because of more like, you know, the Songwriter Festival? I know that's not in Oklahoma City, but still, they, they actually do have a songwriter's uh, festival at Tower Theater, too. Oh. But I'm wondering where. I
2: don't kids? know. I mean, it's like anything, scenes just kind of like appear. But. Um, yeah I don't really know where that came from but that's the main difference that I can like kind of see and remember is just that when I was growing up it was all about being in a band and now it's all about like being a sing- a songwriter yeah and so it's kind of cool I don't know maybe me
0: and Allie were just ahead of the curve I don't yeah, know <laughs> you were. Yeah, maybe. Uh, who is your favorite singer songwriter like locally or just Nationally, in general just in general like who do you love to listen to who hmm. inspires you
2: I mean, I listen to everything, I really do, and I go through phases. Um, But just in terms of, I guess, like, all-time greats, you know, I think Joni Mitchell is, like, one of the best songwriters of all time. And Paul Simon. um, There's this guy named Sam Amidon um, who is out of, like, Vermont, I think. And he does really amazing things with, like traditional folk song, uh, sort of structures. And he's to me, like one of the coolest musicians around. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's just like so many, I, I go through phases of like who is, your favorite who's my favorite yeah yeah
0: well i appreciate you stopping by and so we're gonna wait to hear about when your album's gonna come out but we do know it's gonna be next year yeah so for all the updates should we just go to your website yeah samanthacrane.com
2: or you know all the normal uh social media type
0: things yep awesome okay well i can't wait to hear the next album whenever it comes out and thanks for joining us here on soundcheck no problem thanks
1: look around